Hello and welcome to the Lorna Marie Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk all things fitness, health, mindset and lifestyle to help you become fitter, healthier and happier. I help busy people who lack time, motivation and self-belief to look and feel great again. If you want to work with me, head over to lornamariefitness.co.uk, but for now, enjoy this episode. Toughness and mental resilience. And I listened to a podcast and I completely, completely resonate and it's why I've been doing what I've been doing this year as well. Actually, no, there's a bigger backstory to it. Basically, to cut a long story short, here's story time, everyone. (laughs) To cut a long story short, I decided when I went to uni that I wanted to improve well, I improved my mental strength, my physical strength. I just wanted to be a better person and wanted to see what I was truly capable of doing. So I said, okay, it needs to be manageable. I'm going to challenge myself to one big challenge a year. And that took me up Kilimanjaro. I cycled coast to coast, not up and down across, <laughs> just so you know. Um, I cycled to Paris. And um, then I, I lived, I did a year abroad and I did a half marathon while I was out there as well. So I did a challenge per year and I kept up with that a bit. So I did a skydive and then it all just kind of went to pot when I didn't really know what I was doing with my career. I was always doing fitness on the side, but it wasn't something that I was doing full time, which I do now as well as having another job, but that's a different story. And I wanted to this year make up for it and also see what I was capable of. And I listened to a podcast and it said something along the lines of, if you really, if you're scared of something, if you're nervous about something, but you know by doing it, it is going to be good for your well-being, your physical or your mental well-being, then it's a good thing. And that is going to build mental toughness, mental resilience. So on that note, this year I've done the London Marathon. We, I've hiked the Yorkshire Three Peaks twice, I've done the National Three Peaks. I'm doing another marathon in October. And I'm also doing a triathlon for the very first time and I am terrified. I'm terrified of biking on the roads, not so much anymore because I'm kind of used to it. I do a lot of spin, I've always done a lot of spin, love it, and cross country. So all those cycle rides that I talked to you about in the challenges, they were cross country. Um, but I've just never really done it on the road. And there's a few reasons for that. And one of them is uh, yeah, there's a, there was a fatality in my family. My granddad um, passed away, unfortunately, uh, due to a road accident when he was on a bike. So it's been something that I've got in my head that I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really scared of it, but also scared of the open water swimming. I don't, have, I don't know why. It's an irrational fear and it's really crazy. So what I'm doing is I'm putting myself completely out of my comfort zone and I'm doing it to build mental toughness, mental resilience, and to prove to myself that I'm capable of more than I think I am. And I, that is the message I want to send to you today, no matter how big or small these things are, if you know it's going to be beneficial for your all-round well-being to do the thing that either you don't want to do, but you know is going to be good for you, or the thing that kind of scares you a little bit, but you know is going to be good for you, I would just say just do it. Just do it and then share in this group or let me know what you do, what you decide to do, because I'd love to know. Um, but yeah, any more challenges? Oh, I did another one. I've signed up to another one as well. <laughs> um, I'm doing the, uh, it's like Strictly, but it's not. It's for cancer research where you get to choose. It's called Ultimate Ultra Ballroom. That's it, Ultra Ballroom. 
it's eight weeks of um, professional ballroom dancing and it's all for cancer research. Again, I know it's a charity very close to my heart. Um, I have people very close to me who have suffered and who are suffering. So I decided that I would do that as well. <laughs> anyway, on to the Q&A. I just thought I would share that because that's been something that's been on my mind this week and I wanted to mention it, been wanting to mention it so many times. Okay, we have some great questions and I'm actually going to go from the bottom up today because why not? If you're here, by the way, just give me a little wave or if you're watching this on the replay, do hashtag replay. And I always love to know if you find these useful. So just, yeah, just let me know if you're loving, if you're loving these lives, podcasts, wherever you listen to this, I would really love to know. So we're going backwards, starting with the final question, which is, I want to target the area under my arms and around my bra area as I need to shape this area. I hate the fact fat bulges over my bra. I'm a medium build, so I don't want to bulk build, but I want to shape more. I love doing the three minute arm class and I've definitely seen a more defined shape in my arms, which I'm really pleased about. Also, when I had my daughter, I had an emergency cesarean and the muscles in my lower abdomen non-existent. So again, another class that could help me target this area. I just wondered if you could advise me on what sort of exercise or classes I need to do. Um, I told you six years fast approaching and so I'm on it to be fit. Yeah, you absolutely are on it. We're going to get you feeling fabulous as you get to 60. So I'm going to tackle this question in a few different ways because there's quite a lot to unpick in here. So we're going to start off with targeting certain areas of your body. So you said here you want to target the area under your arms and around the bra area. So in terms of, say here you said, I hate the fact that fat bulge saved my bra. In terms of choosing where we lose fat on our body, we can't do that. So we, it's called spot redu reduction, spot spot fat reduction or fat spot reduction. <laughs> I'm getting all my words in a, in a mangle today, aren't I? But you can't spot reduce. So you can't pick an area on your body like, right, that right hip there, I would like to lose fat on that right hip and that right hip only, just as a crazy example. But what you can do is you can work to shape the muscles in that area at the same time as being in a calorie deficit, one that you can stick to, one that's sustainable, moderate, um, and all the rest of it. <laughs> and over time, you will shape up in that area. And depending on your genetics and where you hold fat in your body, it may be one of the last areas that shapes up, but you will. And it's all a case of just being really consistent and really patient with it. So for targeting the underarms, the best class, I would say, hands down would be stronger and that would be for any sort of shaping so stronger is our class where we use ideally a barbell if you haven't got a barbell definitely get one because that will be a game changer by the way so if you really are serious about shaping your body get yourself a barbell how we do it in our classes it's a way that you will tone you will not build bulk we just we don't lift heavy enough or eat in that bigger um, calorie surplus and lift heavy enough to really build bulk, it, it's not going to happen. If you're looking to build bulk, so say if we're talking about bodybuilders, what they tend to do is they eat in a calorie surplus and they train shorter reps and really high weights. So they'll lift, say, like a, a three rep max or a one rep max. We're not doing that. In Stronger, we're holding sort of a lighter weight that we can maintain for a full track. 
And yeah, by the end of it, okay, your muscles are really fatigued, but it still gets you results. It's just a different way of doing it. So it's higher, higher repetition and lower weight, and that's not going to build up bulk, but bulk, bulk. It's not going to build up bulk, but you will see the change in the shape of your body by doing these workouts. So stronger is your number one. I'd be doing that at least twice a week, making sure that you've got a day or two of rest in between when you do them. Hit with weights is also a really good one. Again, using weights, using that resistance as a stimulus for your muscles. And then we've got other body weight exercises as well. So sculpt is a really good one. It's low impact, but we do lots of things like push-ups and tricep, tricep work, which is going to work the back of the arms. And in terms of working around the bra area, just keep doing these classes. It's going to be working the chest. It's going to be working into your lats. If you focus on doing these sessions and being consistent with them, you will see results. Another one I would say is, so just moving on to the second part of the question where you said you had a cesarean and you want to build your lower abs, Pilates, get yourself on Pilates and do that again consistently. I'll be doing that a couple of times a week. So if you're really serious about toning, shaping your body, make sure you do that. But of course, nutrition is going to be a big, big factor, a big part. You want to be in a moderate calorie deficit. So you're basically when you're in a calorie deficit, calories out are greater than calories in. And that doesn't mean we have to be on a hamster on a wheel and do as much exercise as we can to burn the calories. It, that's not what we do. What we do is just slightly reduce the portion sizes. Track it for a few weeks, see how you get on. If nothing changes, drop it by 20% those portion sizes and monitor it as you go on, but make sure you do it for at least four weeks so you get an idea of what's actually happening. Prioritize protein. So you're gonna be maintaining that lean muscle mass. And that's why we want to be in a moderate calorie deficit rather than a huge one, because we want to maintain that lean muscle mass the best we can, because that is gonna give you that shape and that tone that you're after. And of course, we want to maintain muscle. It keeps your BMR higher, which means your metabolism is going to be higher and it's healthier for our body and our joints. It protects it protects our bones. So these are the things that I'd be focusing on. Also, of course, it goes without saying, making sure you get enough rest, making sure you're drinking enough water, etc. But priority would be strength training, as in doing stronger, or you could even say hit with weights here, minimum twice a week. For the core strength, I'd be doing Pilates, again, minimum twice a week. And then that other workout, so say if you're doing five a week, I'd be doing something cardio-based. Stronger has an element of cardio in it as well, but I would be doing something cardio-based that you enjoy. So you're getting that all-round balance. They're making sure you're getting adequate protein. If you're not sure, hop onto the nutrition area. Go, go through everything there. Adequate protein and adequate rest. And let me know how you get on. I hope that was useful. Um, but another thing I would say is, you know, going into 60, feeling great, I wouldn't so much focus on exactly what the scale says or exa the exact shape in your body. I would be also focusing on, or mainly focusing on, to be honest, how do I feel on myself? Am I sleeping better? Have I got more energy? Are my clothes fitting nicer? Am I less irritable? Am I more confident? And those are the things that I'd be focusing on too, because if you just trust the process and focus on those things, you'll find that everything else just kind of takes care of itself because you're loving life, you're enjoying life, you're enjoying your workouts, you're enjoying your nutrition, you're getting enough rest, and you'll find that the outcomes just take care of themselves. Next question. 
I'm away with work for three days next week. How do I stay on track? I'll be starting away at six and then I'll be home after seven. The key here is going to be planning ahead. So yes, you're away for three days of the week, but you are not for four, which is the majority of the week. We sometimes tend to overthink things and worry that, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to be on it next week because I've had three days off. But what about the other four? What can we do there? I would just say plan ahead. Plan your meals ahead. If possible, take them with you. So I don't know where you're going or what you're doing, but say if you're going down to London on the train, for example, I would be packing things with me, taking them with me. Or if that's not possible, when you go out for lunch, just be really smart with your choices. Choose something that is high in protein, lean protein, and get some salad in there. Making sure that, you know, it's not got all the extra sauces and extra croutons and extra bacon bits. Just being really, really smart with your choices, but also choosing foods that are going to keep you full, like foods that are the whole grain foods, foods that are less processed, foods that are high in protein. Make sure you take lots of water with you when you go. And I would be planning my workouts for the week ahead. I'd sit down this weekend and see, okay, right, I'm going to get my three workouts in. Uh, where can I put them? I put them in my diary. Like, okay, great. I plan my meals, right? What am I going to do? What am I going to pack? What am I going to take with me? And personally speaking, if I were to do something like that, and I was going to be working from six till seven, I would feel so sluggish not doing anything. Now, this is just pers personally speaking. So it, if that were me, I'd be using my lunch break to go on a walk, or I would be, I don't know where you're going, but say if they had like a little gym or something, I'd be going there. Or I would be getting up early in the morning to get a quick 15, 20 minute, whatever blast in before I go. So I feel refreshed and I feel ready because if I didn't do that, I'd know by day three, I'd just feel like pants. So that could be something you could do as well. Maybe short workouts before you go, when you get back, if you still feel good, going for walks at lunchtime and just making sure that you're planning around that week, making smart choices when you go. But let us all know how you get on. And just make sure you are staying accountable. Put these things in your journal so it can track you. That's what the online journal is for. Okay, next question. What exercises should I do for the best results? And I'm not sure if my nutrition is right too. So this is it's a little bit similar to the first one, really. In terms of exercise and nutrition for best results, let's really pull it back to the basics. What are the recommendations? So the, rec the recommendations for exercise are that you do 150 minutes of moderate exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise. The moderate exercise might include things like a brisk walk, gardening, light aerobics, something that is going to get your heart rate up, but you can still kind of have a bit of a conversation. Vigorous is going to be those workouts like HIT, like combat, like spin or cycle where you're really getting your heart rate up or it could be another it could be another class as well but just to the point where you you can't really hold down a conversation so either 150 minutes of moderate is a recommended or 75 minutes of vigorous or you could probably fit somewhere in between that is what's recommended i personally would go a little bit higher than that of course law of diminishing returns the more you do the better up to a certain point and then it kind of plateaus out and actually then the more you do the worst results because you're just fatigued and your body can't recover. So it's about finding that right balance for you. But let's start there, that in terms of exercise. Then from there, I would break it down. I'd make sure that I was doing 
minimum two strength sessions a week. That's really important for keeping and maintaining lean muscle mass. And it's really important for keeping that shape, for keeping your BMR up, for protecting your joints. And then also as we, as we get older as well, from about the age of 30, we actually start to lose muscle mass. And when you hit that perimenopausal, menopausal stage, you exponentially lose muscle mass if you don't do anything about it. So you need to create that stimulus and work your muscles. So I'd be doing that twice a week. I'd also be doing Pilates once or twice a week because core strength is so important and Pilates is just the best. It works your flexibility, it works your mobility, it reduces back pain, and we use our core for absolutely everything we do. So yeah, I'm gonna scratch that a couple of times a week. <laughs> it depends on what time you've got as well, of course. Like if you only have time to do, say, your three workouts in a week, great, mix it up. Do a strength, do a Pilates, do a cardio. I'm just talking like ideal scenario here. And then I'll be doing cardio a couple of times a week, just doing, you know, whatever you want. Have fun with it. But just really look at what you have time for and go with that. I would set a minimum base. So, for example, the minimum base is I am going to do three workouts. I have to do three workouts. That's my minimum target. I have to hit it. Ideally, I will do five, but I have to hit three. And if I know I've hit three, then it's been a successful week regardless. It's not been the ideal one, but it's still been a successful week. That's what I would do. Um, and also just make sure you get enough steps in. You don't have to hit 10,000. You just need to try and aim for about seven, seven and a half thousand on average over the week. So some days, so say like the example, if you're going away for three days for work and you know you're gonna be sat in meeting rooms and offices and conferences, just make up for it. Do more steps before you go or do more steps when you get back so your average is lifted and just make up for it like that way. But again, that comes to the planning, the planning ahead. So I would say that and for results, I would definitely be looking at strength workouts. That That's where you're going to see the visible results and the visible change and the muscle tone in your body. Nutrition. Okay, so I've already been over this and I don't want to bore you with the same things. But I know a little bit more context about this question now. So um, this lovely lady <laughs> uh, did what a lot of people do do, and that is download, say, MyFitnessPal, and it tells you what calories you should be aiming for. Now, be so careful with that. Be so careful. So for this particular lady, it popped in 1,300, which for me is extremely low, and I would never put anybody on that. And the reason being is, well, first of all, these things aren't accurate. So MyFitnessPal doesn't know anything about you really at all. It's just all based on algorithms. But I wouldn't ever put anybody on 1300 unless, it, you know, their doctor said they need to do it for some sort of medical condition. I, I just wouldn't do it. The problem when you set your targets too low is you literally set yourself up for failure. It might feel all right for the first couple of weeks, and by the time you get to week three, four, five, six, you're finding that you're not actually moving around as much because you just don't have any energy. So you're just less active in your day to day. So that the activity, the calories you burn in your activity in terms of not your exercise, but just your activity in general. So walking to the shops, going up and downstairs, fidgeting. That's where you burn most of your calories in the day. Not fidgeting. I don't want you sat here like this, <laughs> moving your arms around. But 
it's it's the stuff that isn't necessarily formal workouts and people were like I need to do a graph I need to show you a graph really and I, I can do if you want me to just let me know um but basically you've got your BMR which is your basal metabolic rate okay that is what you will burn at rest doing absolutely nothing lying there completely at rest because your body burns energy and burns calories to keep you alive there's so much going on inside your body all the time and then you have your non-exercise activity thermogenesis so that is your neat um it's called neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis anyway it's basically the calories that you are burning that aren't formally workouts so that will be your walk to the shops up and down stairs the pottering around the house the, the whatever and then you get that little proportion at the top that is going to be your the workouts that you're doing and so many people rely on that as like oh i'm burning so many calories because of xyz but actually your body is doing so so much more the rest of the time so that is something that i was talking about earlier on the week you know when i said you can't rely on watchers to eat back your calories you should never be doing that because they're not accurate and they they're not accurate they can't tell you the bigger story they can't tell you the wider picture so it's better to not do that so if you're using MyFitnessPal, please, please, please don't put your activity in there or link it up. It just doesn't work. Um, anyway, back to the question. That was a bit of a sidetrack, wasn't it? But hopefully it was a useful one. Um, now, if you if MyFitnessPal told you to put 1,300 in, I would be extremely concerned because by week three, four, five, you're not going to be moving around as much. So that neat that I was talking about is going to be a heck of a lot lower. Therefore... The weight loss is going to be more tricky for you. Quite often what you find is, say if you upped that to 1500, so you just upped it by a couple. In your day-to-day -day, you have so much more energy and you're moving around more and you actually end up burning more without realising and it doesn't feel as awful and it feels sustainable and might actually feel enjoyable because, by the way, being on a weight loss journey can be enjoyable. Being on 1300 calories a day though, you might find that you go to the pub and wow, you have a meal there and then you have about 200 calories left for the rest of the day. That is going to be a very sad and a very upsetting, boring day. Well, yeah, very upsetting day. <laughs> so I would not recommend that. So what I would do is I'd be questioning that for starters. I would up it a little bit. I would, I would try, I would try 1500 if this is the, just for this person in particular. Um, <laughs> So don't everyone go and do this, please. Everybody is different. It depends on so many things, so many factors. If you're not sure, just message me. Um, but I would up it a little bit. So it is something that is sustainable, something that you can maintain, and I would monitor it. And I would be eating very similar things each day because please don't forget, the stuff that you put in on MyFitnessPal has been input by other users. So it's like Wikipedia. Anyone can put in what they want there. So it, it isn't always accurate. Number two, calories on packets are allowed to legally be 20% out. So therefore, that's not exactly accurate either. Thing number three is you've got to think about the amount of calories from foods that your body actually absorbs. And it's called the caloric availability of foods. Some foods, say foods that are high in protein or foods that are really high in fiber, or some foods that haven't been cooked, your body tends to not absorb all the calories from them. 
and sometimes ends up using more energy to try and digest them. Whereas things that are highly processed, your body tends to use all the calories up from it. So let, let me just give you an example. Um, so don't these aren't exact figures, but just, just as an example here. Say you have 100 calories of processed food, your body is very likely to absorb all of those calories, the 100 calories. Say that you're having what it says is 100 calories of a raw carrot. I mean, that would be a really big carrot, but just, just for argument's sake, just <laughs> bear with your body won't absorb all of the 100 calories from that carrot. It just won't because it will be breaking some of it down. It is, it is harder to break down that food than something that's already been processed, already broken down, ready for your body to quickly digest straight away. And depending on the actual food it is as well, the caloric availability is different. Some vegetables, for example, when you um, have them raw, the caloric availability is lower than when you cook them and then the, there are more calories available. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you should eat everything raw. <laughs> I would not recommend that. And, you know, we're talking veggies here, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to highlight the fact that what you see on the packet, you just can't, you just can't always trust it and take it that that's black and white. That's exactly what it is. It, you know, you, you just you just can't. So do bear that in mind as well if you're using MyFitnessPal. The best way to do this is to have consistency with your diet. So eating the same breakfast and then pretty much same lunch or dinner and maybe just switch out the protein source. So for example, you might have a, I don't know, eggs on toast for breakfast, or you might have a Greek yogurt pot with some berries. Then for lunch, you might have a salad with a few new potatoes, um, and then dinner might be something else with like a stir fry or whatever, I don't know, whatever you choose, and just switch out the meat sauce. And then you know where you are. If you're having wildly different meals and different snacks every day, how on earth are you going to know where you are with anything? And this is, by the way, if you're on a weight loss journey, okay? I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to help with that side of things right now. So if you're already a healthy weight and things are working out for you, you've hit maintenance, hey, you're golden. You've hit, that's what everyone wants to achieve, right? So don't worry. I mean, this isn't, you know, blanket thing for everyone. This is if you're on a weight loss journey, okay? Just disclaimer there. So I would be doing that. And then, you know, having a couple of snacks that are high in protein or maybe a couple of pieces of fruit and then switching out the piece of fruit. So you know where you are. Track that for at least three weeks three four weeks see where you are if nothing has happened keep everything the same apart from reduce your portion sizes by 20 percent again track three four weeks what's happened any changes and you can just modify like that but just be so careful if you are relying on something like my fitness pal it doesn't know you it doesn't know your genetics it doesn't know your stage in life it doesn't know how you're feeling it doesn't know your energy it doesn't know what you're doing for exercise. So just bear that in mind. Um, also, I would have a look at our nutrition area, have a look at the portion sizes um, video, and have a look at the, the meal plan guides and the 70-30 rule as well. So hopefully that would be, that's useful. And just get planning for your week ahead. And also I'm here, so if you've got any questions, just ask me anytime. I hope this is all useful, gang. Next question. What exercises are knee friendly? Any particular exercises to improve the joints, please? Ooh, 
Okay, knee friendly. So I'm guessing you're getting some knee pain. Knee's giving you a bit of jip. Now I'm not a medical professional and I also don't know exactly how you feel from this question. So please um, don't take this advice as like golden, like this is what you should do. I, again, I'm not a medical professional, uh, but there are things that you can do to improve the strength of your knees and some things that might feel a little bit kinder to the knees and other exercises. So the first thing is gonna be one, avoiding some of the real high, hard, high impact stuff. You might wanna make things more low impact. And that doesn't mean that your exercise or your workout is gonna be worse. You know, you can do Sculpt, which is our high intensity, low impact workout, which is kinder on the knees, but you really, really get a sweat on doing that workout. Then what you need to do is build the muscles around the knees. So we're not targeting the knee here, we're targeting the muscles around the knees that help to stabilize your knee joint. So that would be your quads, your hamstrings, your calves, your core, all of those areas are going to really, really help to improve your knee, your knee strength. So I'd be looking at stronger. I would be looking at hit with weights. I would be looking at Pilates. Pilates is a great one for the core and also great for your glutes and for your hamstrings. We do so much in Pilates. So I'd be looking at that one too. Um, and just thinking about, you know, having that, I was going to say introspect, but I don't really think that's a word. <laughs> awareness is what I'm looking for. Having that awareness of how your body feels. So quite often we get knee pain because of imbalances in our muscles. So say an imbalance between your quads, the front of your legs, and your hamstrings, the back of your legs. Do you notice any areas of weakness? One exercise to do where you really, really do get proper body awareness is Pilates. Awareness in terms of strength that is. But then you do, you're doing yoga too, actually. I was going to come on to yoga for joint mobility. So I'd be looking at strength for legs, for the core, for the back. And I would be looking at mobilizing as well. So also, do you have tight hip flexors? Do you have tight quads? Is that pulling on your knee? So making sure you are doing lots of flexibility work and if it is something that is really, really causing you a problem, please do go and see somebody because life's too short to be in pain. We all know the difference between something that is, you know, a bit of discomfort and then something that is really painful. So definitely do go and see somebody. I hope that um, that was useful. Oh, I can't believe I've forgotten this one as well. This is like one of the main ones. Um, booty band, our body conditioning classes, they're, they're brilliant for it because they're going to be working your glutes, yeah, glutes are a major one for, for knee strength. Yeah, your glutes and your legs as well. And, and core strength, actually. So yeah, definitely those ones. Okay. And I think this might be the last question. But if anyone's got any more, pop them in the comments. Um, pretty please. Uh, what is healthier? Working out bare feet or trainers? And is there a difference? Okay, I, I get this question quite a lot because... I think it's because I do my workouts, I teach in barefoot. That happened completely by accident, by the way. Well, it wasn't really accident. When we went into lockdown and I started teaching in my little studio, which was a really weird coincidence. Okay, so we've moved, well, we moved into this house. Eh, it's about four years ago now. Anyway, we'd only done one room and that was my studio. And <laughs> it was an agreement with me and Will that he could have the garage basically for all his man cave stuff 
if he made the little downstairs room into a studio for me. <laughs> and he used it as an experiment to do all of his lighting and all of that. And he put a really spongy floor in there. That is key, by the way, really spongy floor. So then I, when we went to lockdown, the floor's that nice in there and it's so spongy. And I just thought, do you know what? I'm in my own house. I feel really comfortable and kind of free actually without putting any trainers on. So I just didn't. And I just, just experimenting and see how it went. And I used to get a lot of pain in the tops of my feet. So one thing you might not know about me is I have osteoarthritis um, in the tops of my feet. So any arthritis sufferers out there, feel your pain. Uh, I found that going barefoot in my studio with the spongy floor really helped, like touch wood. It really, really helped me. And I don't feel the pain in my feet or rarely, rarely feel it anymore. And I can probably put that down to the fact that maybe by wearing trainers, I some of my muscles probably weren't working as effectively or optimally in my feet and my ankles. Because when you think about it, your trainers are putting your foot into a certain position and keeping it there, right? Whereas when you're in barefoot, you're having to use all the little muscles um, and you're having to use your whole foot and having that real balance and stability and again, awareness uh, with your body. Um, it, it, it just really, really helped me. So there are pros and cons. The pros are it will strengthen, it will strengthen your ankles, it will strengthen your feet. That is a pro. Number two, it feels quite freeing. It's quite nice. And also it's quite important for when you're doing exercises where you're going to need balance or your own body weight or really feel that, that need for stability. So for example, yoga or yoga flow when we're holding balance poses, you need to have that grounding feeling, that grounding feeling where you're connected to the earth and you can really feel your toes or the foot and the heel pressing down into the ground. That is where it is going to be really useful and really important. But I wouldn't be using it if I had a hard floor using it. I wouldn't be in barefoot if I had a hard floor. If I was on a concrete floor on my kitchen floor, I would be in my trainers just because of that high impact. And I just, I, I definitely think you need some kind of spongy surface underneath you if you're going to do it. Or you need to really, you know, build this up over time. And also you might have certain conditions with your feet where you need to be wearing inner soles and where actually it's more beneficial for you. And you need to be aware of stuff that's going to be on the floor. You're not going to step on anything sharp because that would be an absolute nightmare. So you just really need to, to play it by ear, see where you're doing it. But there, there's pros and cons. So it depends. Depends on the class you're going to be doing. Is there an, any element of balance and stability like yoga, like Pilates, like yoga flow, where it's more beneficial to be in barefoot? Are you on a hard floor? Uh, you know, do you need to be wearing trainers to shock absorb? It, it just depends. So experiment, experiment, see how you get on, but just make sure you do it bit by bit. Don't just jump in and do everything barefoot. Some people really, really swear by it. But like I say, for me, it just, it happened by accident. And if I, I wouldn't just walk into a gym with no shoes on, <laughs> but because it's in the comfort of my own home, I can do that, right? Uh, anyway, I really hope this Q&A has been insightful. Please, please, please let me know. And team, I will see you in the morning. Oh my gosh, have you seen tomorrow morning's classes? 
Let me know if you're going to be coming. They're going to be wicked. We've got Britney Dance Aerobics. I nearly called it Britney bloop on the timetable, but I refrained just in case it would offend anybody. Uh, so we've got Britney Dance Aerobics. <laughs> And then we've got Motown Power Walking. So let me know if you are going to be there. And also, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who brought a friend this week to train with them, because I'll bring a friend week. And if you still want to bring somebody, you've got tomorrow morning, so they're more than welcome to come. And also, good luck in the little prize draw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everyone, and I will see you soon. Bye.